2: Was it good for you? Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? I hope you did. I did. Morning Show loved it. They were victory lapping that thing like they were a Kansas City Station. They're still very upset about what the Eagles did in the NFC title game to the 49ers. And look, had they had four quarters to deal with Brock Purdy, I mean, Purdy could have done what Mahomes did, right? <laughs> look, I, 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 Mahomes didn't need to do much. Yet, at the same time, he did everything conceivable to win that game, even though the Chiefs possessed the ball for about 11 plays the entire afternoon. It was an unbelievable game plan. Andy Reid, Ray, I kept on saying, you give that guy two weeks to prepare, he's going to show you three plays that you've never seen before. It was actually one play the Eagles had never really seen before, and they got to see it twice. They, he just ran it to both sides of the field. Unbelievable second half for Kansas City.
3: Yeah. Uh, Mahomes did two things yesterday that helped change the game. And that was the 14-yard run and the 26-yard run, both on one leg. The rest of it was just high percentage throws done early in the play so that Philadelphia could not use its defensive line advantage on the on the Kansas City offensive line because Mahomes was kept up, upright most of that game and he wasn't really harassed as much as you would think Philadelphia would be able to so the trick ultimately was on those two plays I mean sure of course Sky Moore you know why not him you know just nobody's going to guard him you know it just it, it was just a brilliantly executed play Twice, And they did it with two different guys, which means that even though they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, they have a bunch of pretty good guys, and they know how to run their routes, and they run them with precision precision and and care. And as a result, Mahomes just had to put the ball in an area on both of those plays because those guys were unencumbered by Eagles at any point.
2: When Andy Reid is at his best, he mirrors... Kyle Shanahan at his offensive best, or maybe we should say it's the other way around in terms of who is the actual person in the mirror and who is the reflection. Andy runs them wide open. Of all the throws that Patrick Mahomes made last night, I don't know if one of them could honestly even be described as challenging or difficult for him. Everything was just right there in that second half. And it's not like the Eagles were bad. They just got rendered incapable of stopping what has been the best football team in the NFL the last five years. And there's no one really even close. The five biggest plays of Super Bowl 57, Ray, we're going to get into all of them. And all of them involved legs. In a day, in an age where we talk about passing and prolific passing games... It was legs that really affected the outcome of Super Bowl 57. And again, you give Andy Reid two weeks to prepare, and you officially got a problem. Coming off a bye week in his 31 years as an NFL head coach in the regular season, he is 27-4. and And he had two weeks, obviously, to prepare for the Eagles, who were not unprepared. I, I actually think that their defensive coaching staff what, uh, Garrett, is he the big uh Gannon. Gannon. Gannon is the one who is really catching a lot of flack today. I mean, you got to blame somebody, I guess. I don't know what more he could have done. The, the Chiefs put on an absolute clinic in that second half, and it didn't look negligent on Philadelphia's part. They just looked helpless. And I have seen the Kansas City Chiefs render what we all know to be a very good defense absolutely helpless. We saw that with our own two eyes at Levi's Stadium. That's how good the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are so good, it really doesn't reveal how bad any element of your football team would be. One of the things that we're going to dispel today, we're going to deconstruct the Super Bowl. By the time you and I get on the air, Ray... You know, everyone has said everything there is to say about the Super Bowl on a million different shows already. So we need to deconstruct all of these hot takes and positions that people have and are trying to sell today to, you know, the overall audience. And this whole, like, the the whole thing that, um, you know, elite quarterbacks would have just beaten. The Philadelphia Eagles, because the Eagles didn't face many elite quarterbacks because of who they played in the NFC, their divisional rotation um, against other you know bits of the NFC that didn't offer a real threat. Here's the thing: I think the Eagles would have beaten the Cincinnati
3: Bengals. The Eagles were very good yesterday. The Chiefs are just that much better. Yeah, the one failing that the Eagles had, and this is not something that was was chronic about them is that they couldn't establish the two advantages that everybody agreed they had, their offensive line and their defensive line. The defensive line couldn't harass Mahomes enough because the Chiefs did not spend a lot of time waiting to throw guys open. They just did it underneath and underneath and more underneath. They didn't use uh, Travis Kelsey nearly as much as people thought they would. I mean, this was all Kadarius Toney and Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, all the off-brand guys. The other thing was, they, the Chiefs defense, which is going to be ignored today, by and large, did not get bullied by the Philadelphia offensive line, which is considered by far the best unit in football. Only on fourth
2: and short. I've never seen anything more automatic than Philadelphia running a quarterback sneak. It made Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback sneaks, and he was very good at it too, um, look like they weren't even going anywhere. It it felt like Philadelphia actually had the option to run nothing but 30 play long drives and just quarterback. They could turn the game into a game of rugby, basically. They could have rugby scrummed it downfield all day long. Yeah,
3: but that's the only thing they did. And... That seems silly when the team scored 35, but you didn't see a lot out of Miles Sanders. You saw only a couple of small things from Boston Scott, not much from Gainwell. I mean, it's interesting to me that the Chiefs ran the ball more often than the Eagles did. Nobody would have bet that in 100 years. Nobody, just looking at the time of possession,
2: could have ever even surmised that. You know, you looked at the way the Eagles dominated the ball in that game. You're telling me they actually got outrun, outgained, outrushed, out-average yards per rushed by the Kansas City Chiefs? Again, who had the ball in the game for seven minutes? I said, seven minutes of possession time is basically all they had. It was insane. It was insane. We got an awful lot to talk about in terms of Patrick Mahomes, who he is, where he stands. I, I think we should talk about Rihanna, who she is, where that halftime stands. I was actually impressed. I was yeah. impressed. She's got hits, Ray. She's got hits. And you know what I like? She did it on her own. She didn't bring out any cameo, nonsense appearance. When Run This Town started, I would have bet my house that Jay-Z was walking out there. Nope. Didn't happen. She's like, I got this.
3: I called the Pragers thing very, very early in the performance, too. I didn't watch a minute of it. My wife did. And she said, when I came back from running an errand, she said, Rihanna's pregnant. I said, well, it wasn't me. <laughs> the staging. The staging was a star. Uh, they, they,
2: they turned it into a, an incredible TV angled up event. Uh, we got an awful lot to get into. Not too many commercials to really talk about today, which is fine because we're not, this is not, uh, you know, commercial Talk radio tonight to the Today Show. This is Sports Talk Radio. We got an awful lot of sports and everything you heard about the Super Bowl deconstructed so you have a better understanding of it when Ray and I put the burden of this program down by six o'clock tonight. The burden of the Golden State Warriors trying to win picks back up tonight. I actually went to the game on Saturday against the Lakers. That was a disappointing loss to say that uh the Warriors were a little perturbed by what happened in the fallout of Friday's trade. That did go through, by the way. The Warriors did send the trade through. But what the trade was supposed to get them has temporarily disintegrated. The NBA has been contact. Adam Silver will be on the phone, Portland Trailblazers. We got uh, an awful lot of sound from Bob Myers, who finally broke silence about the trade uh, this morning. We will get to that today. We've also got pitchers and catchers reporting all across Major League Baseball in the next 48 hours. Ding, ding. It's baseball season. Yay.
3: Hey, Hey, baseball. And new rules, which have already helped ruin the season.
2: Yes, we do have new rules, which is great that they got those in there before the season started. They won't wait for the season to start and then change the rules. Bold decisions. Uh, We have quite a bit to get into today it is the Monday after the Super Bowl and it really was a hell of a game look officiating is an art form as it is also a skill I thought last night's officials did a very good job exercising their skill and in a moment where the art form needed to rear its head is when unfortunately they got in the way of what could have been an even more dramatic ending than what we were offered up was that a hold Sure. But it also wasn't at all, especially in that situation. So we're going to get into that. We have an awful lot. I'm sure you have an awful lot to say about that, too. If you have an awful lot to say, that is fantastic, because we don't have a single guest this Monday booked Again, couple rods are in the fire. We'll see what happens to come out. I know that Peter King's going to be joining us tomorrow. I know that we're going to have Steve Kerr join us, I believe, tomorrow. So we got an awful lot to get into guest-wise as the week goes along. We got an awful lot to get into with you after what I think everyone agrees was a successful Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And by the way, had the Niners made that game, I think they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs as well. That is who they are right now. They're having uh, about as good of a half-decade as any NFL team has ever been able to string together. Damon and Ratto with you here on ninety-five seven. The Game. We are brought to you by San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center. Valentine's Day, it's actually tomorrow. Perfect time for you to show up and check out their 75 showrooms in one location, especially with Valentine's Day tomorrow. This is San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center to help you make all your wrongs right tomorrow. 888 Brandon Street. You can shop online at sfgcim.com. It is the San Francisco Gift and Jewelry Center in San Francisco. We got an awful lot. It's right around the corner here. Damon and Ratto, you're welcome to take part of this when we're coming on back. It is the five biggest plays from the Super Bowl, and it's all about those legs, baby.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now back to Damon and
2: rattle on 95.7 The Game. All right. Everything we do here on 95.7 The Game, you can find it over on YouTube. The Otis Bird, the third chat line is up and running. People want to know, Damon, did you go to the Willard Super Bowl party? I I, I got invited. It was a lovely invite. I wish I could have made it up there, but my wife and I committed to another occasion. So could not make it, but I hope fun was had by all. I hope everybody had ourselves a really, really good Super Bowl. Hope the wings were spicy. Hope the cheese sticks were good. You know, if you're getting your fried food delivered, right, you can get there a little soggy, you gotta pop it back in the oven, get it crispy again. The extra step's worth it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, don't don't pretend you don't like mozzarella sticks. I used to. Don't anymore? No. Nah. Anti mozzarella sticks now? You can't find really good ones anymore. Well, th- The the thing is, you got to get them fresh out the fryer. The the mozzarella stick does not travel well. Never has. Well, that's what I
3: mean. I mean, so if you're going to get mozzarella sticks, means you have to go either go to a restaurant or a bar. And why would anybody go to a restaurant or a bar to watch that game?
2: Well, you know, some are. Some people are social creatures. No one would confuse you for one of those people, though. I'm neither social nor a creature. Oh, you're definitely a creature. A creature, a habit at the very
3: least. No, but I mean, if you're going to go watch the Super Bowl. You're going to go to a party somewhere. I mean, and I don't know of many people who book out restaurants for parties. They do it at a home. Do they not? Pretty much. Okay, so your choices are you can watch it in your own home or you watch it in somebody else's. In which case, you you are not making the mozzarella sticks yourself. You're getting them from somewhere, and as you say, they don't travel well. Well, and remember,
2: you know, the and, and, unless you got someone who's got the deep fryer ready to go, and I'm not talking about an air fryer. I need a deep fryer for good motz sticks. Anyways, I hope your wings, your pizza, your whatever you had yesterday was all fantastic. I want to talk about the five biggest plays of Super Bowl 57. And like I said, it was all legs, all legs, every time you looked at it. I want to start with the biggest play. Single biggest play of the day, Ray, in my mind, was Kadarius Toney's 64-yard punt return. That game flipped in Kansas City's direction and really never looked back from that moment on. The tide had turned Kansas City's direction, but it did not flip Kansas City's direction. And no play flipped the field as much as that one particular play, Kadarius Tony's 64-punt Return is the longest in the history of the Super Bowl and it basically buried the Eagles when it was over. it really did it was it was massive. It was just a huge
3: play in my mind the biggest play of the game. Oh no, it did very de- it was it's the single moment which in which you could basically say, I think the Eagles are screwed now and I don't know how they get out of it And even at that they almost did. They
2: almost did. they almost did but again. Over-officious referee in the moment. Wouldn't let that happen. We'll get to more of that in just a second. The other biggest play of the game, if it was the punt return for 64 yards, number one in my book, number two. Again, also with the legs, is Jalen Hurts, who had an unbelievable day with his legs, got betrayed by one of his thighs on this play. Hurts on a quarterback draw. nowhere to go. The ball is loose. Sitting on the turf. It's Pete no one in front of him is going
0: to score!
2: Bolton did have a hell of a game. Kevin Burkhart with a call on Fox. Jalen Hurt fumbling for a touchdown. Ray, that play alone is probably the only thing that prevented him from being named Super Bowl MVP. I actually thought that Jalen Hurt's, in a losing effort, made about as strong of a case to be named Super Bowl MVP in a losing effort as I have seen really in my own lifetime and had he not fumbled away a ball for a touchdown i think he might have actually been named the team's the, the game's mvp even with the loss
3: i'm not sure of that because how many how many losing players have ever been named mvp i, th- I think it's one was it chuck it, was howley it? yeah linebacker one. in 1970 that's how long ago it was. right and i think in a game like this you could point to Mahomes and say, you won, you're it. I don't know that there are enough brave voters in that group of 11 or 15 or whatever it is, who would say, yeah, I'm voting for the losing quarterback when the winning quarterback did what he did on one leg and he
2: did what he did on one leg and in one half he did it almost perfectly the same way villanova had to play a perfect game to beat georgetown (laughs) yeah uh that was almost the perfect half
3: of football in the second half for kansas city's offense And, and it was the perfect half for kansas city's offense not just for him because i think ultimately if you wanted to do the mvp it's almost Andy Reid, by the way. Uh, Malcolm Smith also
2: with oh, that's right, Seattle. So two defensive players, but he was on the winning side of the equation. That happened. Yeah,
3: they were both on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Malcolm Smith was the uh, the other defensive guy, but he their their team won. Right. Howley's team lost. Right. the The thing that that jumped out at me though is that Andy Reid, and I hate to give credit to coaches when it should go to players because players do the things. He made the second half incredibly easy for Mahomes, just with play calls and play design. They had the ball the majority of the time in the second half after having it not at all in the first. They had the ball for like 16 and a half minutes. The entire afternoon opened up. Yeah. Everything Kansas Kansas
2: City went from in a game in the first half to doing everything it wanted to do in the second half to the point where it's running for seven yards a pop in the second half.
3: Yeah, oh no, I did. and credit to the Eagles, they neutralized Travis Kelsey in a game that everybody who pays attention to football at all would have said, if you can hold him to six catches for 33 yards, you win. They did, and they didn't. And that, to me, is a measure of Kadarius Toney with a touchdown, Sky Moore with a touchdown. I mean, they're, they won with the depth of their roster. Not just two guys. You want to know what's insane about Kansas
2: City in the situation that they just went through? Without question, Patrick Mahomes lost his best offensive weapon, not named Travis Kelsey, when Tyreek Hill decided to be a Miami Dolphin. Losing Tyreek Hill on the day it happened probably sounded like one of the worst things that could possibly happen to Patrick Mahomes. It made him a better football player. It made him a better quarterback. Instead of being dependent on a guy who was the human equivalent of the world's most dangerous safety blanket. He learned how to spread the ball all over the field. He learned how to not just attack Tyreek's blades of grass, but every single blade of grass on a football field. And in the AFC title game, he is completing passes to guys who had more special teams tackles than receptions. Patrick Mahomes, in year five became an even better football player than earlier in his career, where he was also going to Super Bowls and winning MVPs of the regular season and the Super Bowl. Like, he, this was his best year ever. Might not have thrown the for the touchdown total, but this was Patrick Mahomes' best year ever. I think this is probably Andy Reid's single greatest coaching year since the year he decided to insert Patrick Mahomes as his full-time starter. Oh, no, this is his best coaching year, period. He had some remarkable years with Alex Smith. That obviously didn't end cloaked in Super Bowl glory, but he got the most out of Alex Smith more than anyone ever got out of, out of Alex Smith. And I would, I would put some of those didn't ring the bell of a Super Bowl, but still had unbelievable. What the fourteen and two? You know, what I mean, they were fourteen and two when they decided, I think, to move on. So uh, but, he was he was great then
3: too. But to me, part of that was roster construction because they replaced Tyreek Hill, who is the single most dangerous weapon among wide receivers in the game, with about four or five guys. And they all had to be useful for this to work. And they were. None of them had extraordinary seasons, but the the sum of the
2: total as opposed to the individual parts. Yeah. I and equaled I, an unstoppable offense.
3: And I think that allowed Reed to sort of nudge his offense in a different way because their crisis point would always be it's third and 8 Tyreek Long for 20 it was just automatic and that's a great thing to have i mean i'm sure they they'd rather they'd rather have him now but they figured out okay if we can't have him then we'll just do it with volume and that's that's where i'm thinking this is why Andy Reid did the most to make this team championship ready, we we're, said we're going we're gonna to alter the offense just enough so that we can work without the best weapon there is in the game. Look, when we think about the single greatest coaching
2: quarterback combinations in the history of football, it's really a three-headed monster. It's Walsh in Montana, or you can even insert, you know, Young, who picked up the mantle and kind of ran with it.
3: Well, he was. More, that was he was, that was more
2: Seaford. exactly. But he obviously learned quite a bit from the master. But it's Walsh in Montana. It's Belichick and Brady, and it's Mahomes and and Andy Reid. I mean, we're talking some of the great, greatest combinations of head coaching and quarterbacks ever. You know, unfortunately, Don Shula and Dan Marino never won at all, so they get left off the list. I
3: mean, well, you could... I mean, if you want to go back in history, you'd also have to probably include Paul Brown and Otto Graham. I would... Won a ton of championships. Absolutely. And Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr. But this is the most dynamic combination of the three because Mahomes does things that the other guys don't do physically. Because he can throw from any angle, he just thinks that no one's sword. ever done before. I mean, he's yeah. he's really he he is he is in a class photo of one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's that might be premature only because Brady's done it for twenty plus years. But yesterday was the first time where I think it was legitimate to ask the question. Given another ten years, could Patrick Mahomes be an equal in that argument? up until this year I didn't think so but what he did this year suggests to me that if he stays upright and they don't screw up the guy with the guy who replaces Andy Reid because he's up there in years I don't know that he's going to do this for another 10 they just have to make sure that the guy they replace him with understands what he's got in Mahomes and if he does that I think you could have a significantly meaningful argument about is it Brady or is it Mahomes?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, here's what we know. Tom Brady's length of career puts him on a level that we need a longer Mahomes career. Patrick needs to achieve it before you can just hand him the title of greatest ever. And even though he's you know, yet to truly reveal himself as the greatest of all time, I think we all agree, all he needs is time. That's it. All Patrick Mahomes needs is time, health, and you're right. The next coach in the room to be somewhere on a level of dangerous that Andy Reid was able to exist on. Will be as good? Of course not. But offensively dangerous and creative, the only missing ingredient of Patrick Mahomes' greatest of all time resume is the reps. If he gets those reps, yeah, I think we're all convinced he has a, a level of talent that could get him there, and he's got a stronger argument to make in real time that he could be the greatest of all time than Tom Brady even had, honestly, in real time. Like, even though Brady had so much success at the dawn of his career, no one was ready to jump right into, well, he's the greatest of all time.
3: Well, no, because Brady is basically piling, you know, ring on top of ring. That's, that's the takeaway, because individually, he was superb, but you didn't think of him as electrifying. You know he was he and he and Belichick were more of a unit. Right. He killed you with competence. He didn't yeah. dazzle you. Yeah. I mean it was it was excellence. You know, but it was the same thing. It just the the only other thing that struck me about Reed and Mahomes is the way Reed stumped more aggressively than ever for Eric Bieniemy to get another job to Boy, get a he sure
2: a did job. didn't he I thought if nothing else he was making the case if he was going to pull the Well, that was my last game. He was trying to make sure that the baton was being handed to him as the next Kansas City head coach. But Andy Reid has since conclusively demonstrated that that was
3: not his last football game. Oh, no. And the other thing is, I think everybody now knows that he's going to do this for another four or five years in all likelihood. He'd be nuts to walk away from a talent like Mahomes. Well, I mean, he's also 64. So, you know, he's had enough life changes already, you know, with with his two kids and um may have more so you know i don't know how i mean if it's just a football consideration yeah he'll stay as long as Kerr stays with curry but i think he now finally recognizes that everybody else in football is reluctant to take a chance on Bianami because everybody in football believes that reed is the architect and that he that's, is and that well but <laughs> and that's worked against Biennium of course because it has. Nobody's quite sure how much is Reed and how much is Bienemy, but I think for the most part people are now used to the idea, oh it's mostly Reed, which hurts Bienemy in, in interviews. Because I don't think it's that he interviews badly. I think the perception is that well anybody could coach Patrick Mahomes for Andy Reed.
2: Here's the thing. I wouldn't begrudge anyone that opinion. I really wouldn't. I mean, this is Andy Reid's show. It is Andy Reid's yeah. show. You'd be taking as much as a a, a, a a gutsy feeling to hire Andy Reid's offensive assistant as your next head coach as you would to hire Kyle Shanahan's top offensive assistant as your next head coach. Now, you could say, in Miami's case, it's kind of working out. But who knows what the next instance will bring. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard to determine who gets most credit for what when you know that Andy Reid... Is clearly the chief architect, and he's got one of the you know all-time guys executing his visions, and and
3: Patrick Mahomes. And the other thing is, Bill Belichick's coaching tree has largely been a hot mess. So I think, and because he is clearly perceived and correctly as the mastermind behind the New England double decade, I think there's another. There's more reluctance about well that's Andy Reid show if we can't get Andy Reid let's look somewhere else
2: maybe there's some guilt by association in terms of you know it's been so conclusively proven that it was Belichick and Brady that you know going back I'm not even talking about the latest examples of not working out Matt Patricia and you know Bill O'Brien to a degree but a more successful degree as an NFL head coach um you know, but I mean, remember Eric Mangini, the man genius, and how much that didn't work out. It's There's a prolific amount of Bill Belichick's coaching tree that did not work out, that maybe is being lorded over the B.
3: Enemy Reed situation. Joe Judge. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joey Judgey. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I forgot about Joe, honestly. Yeah, I really, and, and look, and there's also an element of racism here because, mm-hmm. you know, once again, the Rooney rule has been proven to be toothless. There's There is there's one more general manager than there was 10 years ago, black general manager. And there's no more coaches than there were black black coaches. It's almost as if the Rooney rule has been used as a fig leaf rather than a tool for promotion for qualified black coaches. And Eric Biennemi is as much a victim of that as anybody. Because I think, were he white working for Andy Reid, he'd have had two jobs by now. Benefits
2: of doubts don't seem to trickle into black coaching equations quite the way that they do into white coaching equations. I mean, and I don't think we need to even say any more on
3: that. We we know that. I mean, look, Mike McDaniel doesn't get that job if he's not slipstreaming behind Kyle Shanahan, who was running that offense. So you know, I, all we're, all I'm saying is, if we're talking about enemy you can't ignore the fact that. He's not how kind of demographically desirable to an old white guy doing hiring. We were talking about
2: the five biggest plays in Super Bowl 57. We've officially gotten through two. Kadarius Toney, 64-yard punt return. To me, the Jalen Hurts fumble. Again, the biggest plays in this game were made with legs, not arms. Play number three, Ray, a play that will not go down in NFL history unless you're talking about great decisions. I want to talk about Jet McKinnon not scoring a touchdown. At the end of the game, giving himself up, staying in bounds, going down at what the two, three yard line, and not scoring that touchdown that essentially made the clock killable. And the Eagles, at that moment, basically got their wings clipped as much as any other moment in this game. That to me, McKinnon not scoring that touchdown late in the game was the kiss of death to the Eagles. Oh yeah, that and was such a, such a smart play. And it, you know how hard it is to use a personal
3: discipline to not score a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Oh, I, you may rest assured that that was hammered into those guys on the sideline because you don't know whether that's going to be an effective play in the in the days before during your prep, but at some point, Andy Reid is telling who, any anybody who's got the ball, not just McKinnon, goes, "This is the situation. Don't go in the end zone." Period, and it's to McKinnon's credit that he didn't get you know full of you know being in part the moment. Of yeah, wide this eyes. Is, no, you know you if you if you want the ring for everybody, let those last two yards go. Well, well, I mean, Look. It was a massive moment in the game, and I don't think
2: enough people are talking about it today. I know enough people aren't talking about the 64-yard punt return, which I think is the biggest play of the entire afternoon. The Hertz fumble stands for itself. McKinnon not scoring the touchdown, number three in my mind. Number four was the Patrick Mahomes 26-yard scramble on that ankle with under three minutes to play on first and 10, he goes from midfield to inside the Red Zone. That was just a monster moment in the game. And then finally, like I said, all five are leg based, even though it ultimately came in a losing effort. Since we're talking about the biggest plays of the Super Bowl, I, how could we leave out the most guaranteed to work play of the Super Bowl? And it felt like we thought we saw it 34 times. The quarterback sneaking ability of the Philadelphia Eagles, was one of the more aggressive things I've ever seen on a football field. Sirianni was just carrying him around in a wheelbarrow all day long, if you know what I mean, boys and girls. Huge, huge nuts on the table. Never, it did, just basically, if we don't need to pun here, we're not gonna, we're going for it. I'm gonna take every third and something, turn it into a third and short, and then we have the most automatic QB sneak you've ever seen in your life. And I, I really, Ray, how often has a quarterback sneak been like a guaranteed three yards? I've never seen an offensive line in my life. I'm not talking Alabama playing Citadel, fire out and pick up quarterback sneaks like that. They were devastating. They could have gone full rugby game, 28 yard drive, doing nothing but quarterback sneaks and probably scored on every drive that they had. That was,
3: it was dominant. Well, I mean, they've perfected the art of shoving Mahomes from behind, which is legal. Not Mahomes. Not Mahomes. I'm sorry, Hertz. I mean, that's the thing because you saw it every time. I mean, the one one sneak where Chris Jones hurdles himself through the air, if there's not three Eagles behind Hertz, you know, maybe Jones makes contact and that doesn't work. But, you know, Hertz is strong enough on his own, but with those three guys behind him, just shoving him from behind while the offensive line is, you know, holding its own against Kansas City's defensive line. It's it's going to be the new uh, quarterback sneak across the league. Unless they do something to tweak those rules, yeah, you're going to
2: have a uh, two guards. You're going to have backup guards behind your quarterback's butt cheeks, just, just oh, yeah. shoving
3: them. I mean, it just, it's uh, literally it looked like stuff they'd stolen from the twenties. We had not so much- these twenties. The last, right, yes,
2: the other 20s. We have an awful lot still to get into. A full-on deconstruction of a lot of the hot talking points that a lot of hot talkers got wrong. Ray and I will right all those wrongs. In our next hour, we're also going to deconstruct some things that Bob Myers had to say about the trade that was, then wasn't. Now still is, even though it won't help the Warriors tonight. So you go ahead and stick around. We got much more coming up, and we got open lines as well. No guests this afternoon. We don't need them. There's so much to talk about. Damon and Ratto, uh, brought to you here on 95.7 The Game by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromise.
1: If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP, you deserve Madela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp, but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, tour. Tour is, tour. you deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the remarkable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port
4: Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Now, back to Damon and Rattle on 95.7 The Game.
2: Drop the mic muff as soon as the segment was starting.
3: What a pro. That's why you make the big money. <laughs> um, you know, when you were listing the five plays and you led with the punt return? Yeah. The one thing we didn't talk about was the decision to punt in the first place, which I think is the one huge gaffe that Nick Sirianni made the entire day. The Eagles were 11 of 18 on third down conversions because of that quarterback sneak that just worked and worked and worked and worked. It was a fourth and three, the Eagle 32. They could get three yards on a sneak. They were doing it all day long. And I think for a guy who made his rep and got his got his team a 14-3 and 3 regular season record by being aggressive whenever the opportunity presented himself, that's one of those things that I think he's going to kick himself about for years to come. I I mean, it, never mind I, that the punt the was thing. bad and that the coverage was worse. That stuff happens. But I think... If you're going to be that team, you have to be that team in the second half when Kansas City is starting to feel itself.
2: I think there's two things in play there. Number one, you need to trust a defense that basically gets you to this game, but you also have to coach the game that you're in. And there was nothing that Nick Sirianni could have thought about. You know, imagine going for it on 4th and 3, would you say, from your own 32-yard line? Yeah. And that's the play that doesn't work, and you just gave the Chiefs the ball back right there. Now, ironically, they would get it back at their 5 after the record-setting punt return. But, I mean, it it's one thing to be uber-aggressive on 4th down on your side of the 50 all afternoon, it's another thing to be uber aggressive right there in that moment, that point in the game. I understand what you're talking about. I really do. Like, live by the sword, die by the sword type of thing. But I I can't begrudge Sirianni for thinking, all right, what well, I did have a defense that knew how to play football at one point this year. I, I guess in order to win this game, I'm going to have to trust them at some point here in the second half. So I'd rather give them a longer field than maybe set them up to get their throats slit because we... You know, we, we got aggressive from our own 32. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I see why Sirianni would in that moment say, all right, we're going to go a little bit more by the book than
3: uber-aggressivo right here. Yeah, if they weren't so good in short-yarded situations, I'd say fine. This is This is him not coaching the way he's used to coaching. This is him taking his best offensive weapon, which is, you know, hogs in a rush at a time when you need it most and you've established over and over again that you can get those yards. I mean, it's not like Kansas City wasn't trying to pack the box every time they had a short yardage situation already. It just seemed like an odd time to me to try to play percentages for a guy who has thrived, by changing the percentages in his favor by saying, you know what? Fourth down and less than five, of course we're going for it.
2: Look, if that Super Bowl, in some ways, becomes a stepping stone to coaches everywhere starting to kill the punt as the right choice in their own mind, you know we owe Nick Sirianni for all he sacrificed in that game. I think he did go about changing football philosophy a bit last night, even
3: with the losing decision. Maybe a little bit, but to be able to pull that decision off, you have to have the weaponry that Philadelphia had established all year long, that they that they basically could move any, any defensive line in football back five yards whenever it wanted to. And you had the right weapon behind that line, and you had the right guys behind that weapon. It just, you know, at some point it seems to me, and I'm not a guy who second guesses coaches because they know mo- way more about... You know down distance and metric situations than I ever will but that seemed the one time you just you just say all right we're gonna win the game or we're gonna lose the game right here and if you believe in your team you're gonna say we're gonna win the game right here I
2: yeah look I you know my other big point here that I wanted to make is that the Eagles defense or just as a football team like their their locker room must have been just covered in marinade because they absolutely got cooked in the second half.
3: Yeah, and I, that's the other thing. You don't want to have the defense that Kansas City is now starting to own. To okay, now we need you to be good again. I just think it's it's that moment where you just go, "What's my best chance of winning this game? When I have the ball or when I don't have?" Right, it? Just keep it. Just keep the ball. Look, I, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong,
2: but I guess I am trying to get into Sirianni's head and reasoning at the time oh
3: no i get why he did it because it's uh, under most situations it's the logical play i mean i remember the bill belichick play when he decides to go for it on fourth and two at his own 24 against the colts right and it doesn't work right they lose the game and belichick is hammered for it okay he defends the decision in the postgame, though oh absolutely well he's never going to not defend you know he's certainly not going to Dane to criticize himself before mere media people.
2: Dane. Nice use of the word in that
1: moment.
3: Thanks. You're welcome. Um, No, it's just it's one of those where all the evidence that's been presented to you all day is that no, you keep the ball because Kansas City's on a heater. So Eagles got slapped around silly for two straight hours defensively in the second half. In fact, Here's a stat for you. In the three Super Bowls that the Chiefs have been in in the last five years, they've outscored their opponent 38-8. They're really good at dominating late in a game, or at least not getting hammered. Now, the, the Super Bowl that they lost, they were already out of it before then. But in the two they won, they simply stole the fourth quarter. They said, no, it's ours now. You're, you're not involved anymore. You, you just watch us. Kansas
2: City Chiefs went straight up hot knife through butter on yeah. the Eagles in that fourth quarter. Really in the entire second half. And look, 49ers fans, you saw this with your own two eyes in the regular season. You saw your... There's nothing to even... like. It's, it's not a talking point about how good the 49ers' defense was this year. It's not a fan-based, location-based talking point. It is a provable, in the court of law, statistical fact that the 49ers' defense was one big, bad mofo pretty much that entire 12-game winning streak at the end of the regular season. The reason why I wasn't 13 in a row is because in that 13th game, the Kansas City Chiefs came in here and peeled the paint off your car. I mean, that's how how good they are. And there's no shame in that. Like, everyone trying to just crush the Eagles today. It's like you didn't understand how good this Chiefs team really was. Like, you undervalued what their capabilities were. Any 49er fan who watched what the Kansas City Chiefs did to them in the regular season – was not stunned by what they saw by the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. They scored 17 fourth-quarter points yesterday. One incompletion the entire second half for Mahomes, and that was on the throwaway over the end zone. The Chiefs' offense averaged 6.4 yards per play all game long, despite having the ball for only 24 minutes, and in the second half they were running better than seven yards a pop. I mean, they just got everything they wanted. How you close a game out, and I'm not talking about in the final drive, but how you close a game out from the minute you receive the second half kickoff, even though you're down 10, was the most fully on display coaching clinic you'll ever see of your life. Like Andy Reid took us all to football school last night. I hope you brought your notebook. I hope you jotted some notes down because Andy Reid taught the world more about football and how to execute a second half game plan than what we're used to normally seeing from any great coaching combination. And Patrick Mahomes, let's be honest, like, what's the right way to describe him? Football Jordan feels about right, doesn't it? I mean, he really is. He's football Jordan. Like, the minute you saw him in his career, like the first time you saw Michael Jordan, rookie year, probably didn't take you very long to just admit, like, okay, this guy's even better than most really good rookies are. Like this is something special is happening here. And by the time Jordan was in year, well, he gets hurt in year two. So you were, you know, year three, yeah, year the Warriors four. hurt him. That's deliberately. right. That's it was right. An act of treachery. Well. Go Warriors.
3: Uh, the, uh,
2: by the time Jordan got his feet back underneath him, there was no doubt. Like we're we're not looking at somebody who's good in his time. We're looking at somebody who's good going to be good across all time. And you could see that before he actually started winning championships. And I, I just Mahomes is the same guy. Now he won that championship so quickly he didn't have to wait the test of, well, did you win it all very long? But he's just, he, he's unbelievable. In the second half, I mean, if you want to know how, this is how you put together winning football over the course of a half of football zero turnovers, zero punts, zero penalties, zero sacks, one incomplete pass, and score on all four of your drives.
3: Will that work? Well, you forgot one. What? What? What did I forget? They had five third downs in the second half conversion, conversion touchdown, conversion touchdown, first down, then the defensive holding. Not bad. Yeah, But the the truth is, they only had five third downs in all those plays. They were moving the ball so well that they almost didn't have to convert a third down.
2: When you're kicking ass on first and second, it makes third a lot easier. By the way, welcome, everyone, to your 4 o'clock hour.